You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Hey everyone, welcome to another Behind the Message with Jason. And Chris. And uh, brought to you by Lay's Classic Potato Chips that we found in the youth room that were flat soda. some flat soda, <laughs> flat pop, and um, Lay's Potato Chips that were open in the student room. When I say we, I think I'm the only one eating the chips, but they're better than the flat. Do you say soda? I've heard both. I've, I've heard it called soda pop. But then yeah. I've heard the argument where some people just call it in the soda 1950s. And pop. Yeah, <laughs> like in the happy back in, my da- day. Back in happy days, you and Fonzie. <laughs> this is give me a soda pop. Hey, <laughs> um, I, I, I know what both are. I don't. So I don't know if this was growing up. We just called everything a Coke. Yeah. All right. Is that a thing? Yeah. Like we called. You went to the restaurant, that. you're like, I'll, just get, I'll have a Coke. And they said, well, what kind? You're like a Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was that. There was that. But then when we were in Illinois for a few years, I was not on board with, I mean, I still said y'all and all that stuff mm-hmm. up there. But they called all of it pop. And I was like, I can get on board with that because that makes sense. It's easy to say, like, I'd like a pop. And then, what, what kind? That so that even like makes soda. more, huh? So you're anti-soda? No, I'm just I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a uh, 110 years old. Give me a soda pop. <laughs> I just got I, the pop makes sense, but because growing up saying Coke makes no sense. But is that a Southern thing? Maybe. All right. Speaking of food and drink, yeah. we can't do. Podcast. We should decide this right now. Should we not? I we probably shouldn't do behind the message next week. I'm not even gonna be around. That's fine. I mean, I will be on this earth. I will not be. <laughs> it's not any warning signs. I will be. Um, I think we're gonna go to Kentucky for Thanksgiving. Okay. So, all right, guys, you heard it here. So two weeks. I better nail it on Sunday because I don't get any behind the message. Um, Two-hour sermon coming up. Two hours. <laughs> I was going to bring this up on uh, behind the message, but I'm not. Okay. So that's uh, no. I'm just talking. No, I'm talking about the Sunday message. Um, oh. No, because this Sunday we have we're introducing the 2023 budget, uh-huh. the statement of faith amendment, and the bylaw amendment. I know. I know. I don't want to do any of it. Because I'm just, I think it's kind of boring. It's necessary, but it's boring. It is necessary. So, service is already going to be long. So, I hope you're, if you're listening to this, I hope you're there. Um, all right. So, next week's Thanksgiving, since we're not going to have this question next week, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? I'm ready for it all. Yeah, late. But if, if you're going to nail me down to one, I'm going to have to say deviled eggs. I am? Yeah. I can get on board with that. I, but I do have an honorable mention as well. <laughs> okay. I like. I don't know what some people call it. I, stuffing or dressing. Yeah, I'm down with that. Too. Really? Like, yeah. 
As an honorable mention? Well, you said pick one. So. I just can't. Stuffing's one of those. That's the only time I have it. Yeah, but even I'm not like a... Are, so do you you want stuffing that's made not stuffed, right? Or you're like, put I want what was ever in that bird. No, 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 no. Like the... Um, well, that's what it is. Not always. They have the box stuff. What's the box stuff? That's what I'm saying. You want... I don't care. I don't I don't know what it... Don't tell me what's in it. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, like traditional stuffing. You're like, put that in the bird to cook. I don't know how it's made, Jason. I just know that it's on the table and I put it on my plate. I can't. Stuffing is... It looks like... I know. I just don't like it. Oh. I don't like it. I'll eat it if I'm hungry and everything else is not looking great. I haven't always liked it. I'd say the past five years I've grown to. Alright, I'll give you that because I have always hated the cranberry stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've and never... I know I like it now. Oh, I no. do. I do. I've just never made it on my plate. Yep. You got to try a little cranberry with your turkey. It's like we're, we all realize turkey is the worst thing meat to eat and we're like what if we put it you know what if we fry it this year yeah have you had fried turkey i have had fried turkey yeah i mine's about as cliche mashed potatoes i do i just yep i kind of like the one you gotta have a little skin on skin in the game on mashed potatoes um here's one that i don't know if a lot of people do but i love shrimp at Thanksgiving. Shrimp at Thanksgiving. Like I love cocktail. shrimp, but I've never had it at Thanksgiving. Like the cocktail shrimp? Yeah. Yeah, we had them every year. No, oh, I love shrimp. For Thanksgiving and Christmas. You always have the cocktail shrimp. And asparagus. Mm, no thanks. We're real classy in Kentucky. <laughs> <Yeah>. so okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started. This is First Samuel 4, uh, starting chapter 4, 1 through 11. The thematic question, the points are all in the negative. <laughs> Just so you know. I'm not... I, I didn't, I wasn't there, I had security. Okay. So I watched it yesterday, I watched the sermon, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why I felt like, <laughs> and you know, I, I think if you do it every week, you're like, man, this is negative. But, if you do it every now and then, it kind of jars people to pay attention a little more. So... Mm-hmm. The negative is, how do I let the power of sin defeat me? The answer is, don't. <laughs> but we have to look at the negative. Uh, let's get some, yeah. So we talk about fighting sin. Mm-hmm. Um, why should we, or why should Christians fight sin? Before you answer that, I spent a long time with that intro illustration Sunday. Because I thought I, oh. I was going to share something about a, like a fight I've been in. And... I haven't, so I don't really fight. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Such a peacekeeper. I couldn't think of any time I've really had much of a fight in my life. So, um, all right. How or why should Christians fight sin? So you read during your sermon, you read Romans 6, 12 um, through 14. And I just wanted to add more scripture to that, which that was a good one. Um, it popped up a thousand times whenever I did research on this question. <laughs> Uh, but I also have Matthew five forty eight. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I have Romans eight twelve through thirteen. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you 
Or if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We have 1 Corinthians 15.34. Wake up from your drunken stupor as it is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. And then uh, 1 John 36, or sorry, 1 John 3, 6 and 7. Uh, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. So I say all those verses to say that there are many other verses that I could share. But to answer your question simply, Christ told us to follow him, uh, to pick up our crosses daily so we are to live as Christ did. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that perfectly. Uh, but as you said in the sermon, we should be battling our sin head on. Uh, we just got to put on that full armor of God and, and pray for assistance in those areas that we struggle with. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> I think you, you proved your point in that of just how much scripture would be evident. Like, yeah, you should definitely fight your sin. Yeah. And you watched this yesterday? You had security. I had security on Sunday. Did you watch the YouTube or you? I watched the YouTube. What um, else would I have watched it on? Just the podcast or listen oh, to Oh, no, no, no. I watched it. I always watch it. Really? Yeah. Oh, thanks. Well, man. when I have security, I, I mean, if I'm, well, I actually, I'll watch it too when I, just to get a refresher when I get yeah. to prepare for this. <laughs> You're a good man. You think my eye contact has gotten any better? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't pay attention to that. I'm focusing on the word. Sorry. Man, I think we're just, Chris just won the Elder of the Year Award. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good comment right there. All right. So how do I let the power of sin defeat me? Let's get to point one. And the negative, go to battle with your sin without the Lord. I don't do this often, but just because we might do it more often because we're in the Old Testament. But I yeah. thought it'd be good to fire away some recap questions. Right, I'm ready for them. So who are the Philistines? Uh, the Philistines were uh, an aggressive people. They were very violent. They occupied the territory southwest of Israel between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. Uh, the first mention of the Philistines is found in Genesis 10:14, and from the very beginning, the Philistines were either allies or deadly enemies of God's people. There was no in between. It was, <laughs> and I would say it was more the latter. It was just mostly deadly enemies more than. So my question, I I don't know if I have a clear answer for this. Why are the Philistines the okay. enemies? I uh, from what I found. Uh, it could be a number of reasons. Um, the Israelites refer to the Philistines as uncircumcised, meaning at that time, those who had no relationship with God. What's that mean? What, I'm circumcised. I'm just... <laughs> so I guess you, I mean, they, so the Philistines were not God's chosen people and were to be avoided. Yeah. So you have two groups that were very close to one another with differing views. So that could be one, one reason. Uh, but also, during the time of the Exodus, uh, the Lord promised some land to the Israelite people, which included the territory of the Philistines, um, and that is located in Exodus twenty-three thirty-one. Yeah. Um, so this promise meant that some kind of conflict would have to take place for Israel to get rid of the Philistines. So yeah, yeah. I when we were going over these questions in small group, I kind of felt like I was. 
giving a quiz that it didn't teach on, you know, <laughs> you know, like, um, oh, so you included those questions in small group. Okay. Just as a real quick recap. Yeah, Cause you did um, not cover any of that in the, right. In the sermon. Right. That's why I kind of <laughs> felt like kind of, yeah. So, um, but they were good for us to know. Um, and I brought up what you brought up that at the very least Israel's in their space. Yeah. Right, at least was their space. So, all right, what happened during the first battle? This is a pretty obvious. Uh, so the Philistines fall, and um, the Israelites were defeated, and 4,000 men were killed. Correct. That's correct. That's, um, what's that academic team? You ever hit the... Bubble, bubble, yeah. bubble ball? Or Do bubble you know ball? I was on the academic team? What are you talking about, in school? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh sixth grade year uh they told me that if i joined the academic team that they had like snacks after <laughs> it's 100 percent true 100 percent true this is not an exaggeration they had snacks at the academic team practice so i said all right well i'll join the academic team and snacks. for the snacks i went to one meet um and where they like all lined us up with the buzzers I buzzed in one time uh, and got the answer wrong and then quit the academic team. <laughs> so it wasn't worth the snacks. It wasn't worth the snacks. He's like, <laughs> yep. It's your snacks aren't your yeah. nose, lady. <laughs> All right, moving on here. Jason, what does it mean to fight sin without the Lord? All right. Uh, somewhat long. I can say what it has meant in my life. Um, it means that I have tried really hard at times to be a good Christian. I try really hard to make my life look like someone else's life that appears that they have it all together. Um, I try really hard to say no to sin. And all of that isn't necessarily wrong, for sure. Um, did you get it? Mm-hmm. Chris almost Mr. Miyagi to fly in here. It's more of a gnat. Um <clears throat> But I would say, like, in all of those pursuits, I wasn't really reading my Bible. Uh, I wasn't really praying like I should. I wasn't even trying to walk by the Spirit that we'll talk about. I was really just trying to change my moral behavior without God, um, who can actually change my moral behavior. In some ways, I do think this is a larger problem. Um, There's a term... If you've heard, it's moralistic therapeutic deism. You not heard that one? No. This is a huge issue with uh, in student ministry, mm-hmm. um, and this is uh, there's an article from Dr. Al Moeller uh, who wrote on this subject, and he he mentions the root of it or the source of this. Christian Smith, fellow researchers of the National Study of Youth and Religion at UNC. They're the ones that coined that term, therapeutic, moral or moralistic therapeutic deism, and it consists of five overall beliefs about Christianity, if you could call that. Um, it's it one is a God exists who created and ordered the world, and watches over human life on Earth. Two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Three, the central goal of life 
is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Four, God does not need to be uh, involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And five, good people go to heaven when they die. So I think most of us, we just try to be good, and we're usually trying to be good without God. We only really bother God when we need something from Him. Someone gets sick, we get sick, um, you know, a situation at work, and then we believe that, all right, well, trying to be good, and then good people go to heaven. Um, I think that, in many ways, uh, therapeutic mor- or moralistic therapeutic deism sums up the prevailing thought of Christianity in America. Mm. Um, So I don't care how mature of a Christian you are. I think we all tend to revert back to that sad and shallow view of really false Christianity. Um, So there, there is a, it's not just, it's not as simple as you're just trying to be good without God. I think we really have bought into some sort of weird world view um, that so um, anyways that's a that's a strong one um, and I would I would say the moralistic therapeutic deism that's not mentioned I would say that's even being replaced now by who cares if there's a god huh. so you know, there's still some sort of definition of good and, and you know, there's good things on the other side of eternity, all of that. But, you know, we don't really care about God anymore. So, yeah. Well, glad that was encouraging to everyone. Um, Chris, I mentioned walking in the Spirit. How do we walk or walk by the Spirit? Uh, that does reference Galatians 5, 16 through 18. Uh, yeah, this was the one that I mentioned before the, we started recording that kind of hit me kind of hard, to be honest with everybody. Uh, but I, by submitting to the Spirit, uh, we need to deny our fleshly desires um, by not living for this world. But I put something here. I don't like it, but I, I don't think it was what I was trying to say. So I'm going to say <laughs> what I meant to say by by living for the next life, not this one. Um, by submitting to God's will for our lives... Um, by knowing it's this is not a one-time event, but something that we should strive for daily in our lives. Um, and I would say that we know that we're walking in the Spirit by by the fruit that is produced. Um, it, joy, peace, kindness, etc. Um, but yeah. Um, that's good. Is that something you struggle with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. To be honest, yeah. I mean, I... I, mean, I, it, I do not often sit back like, well, you know, what, what does the spirit want me to do? I'm just like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And, yeah. Um, I think some of that is rooted in an un, either no teaching or unhealthy teaching, unhealthy teaching of the Holy Spirit. I even heard, it was like an Instagram, gosh, this was a few years ago. It was like an Instagram sponsored video from a church that was going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. And the pastor kept referring to the Holy Spirit as it. Mm. And I'm like, well, maybe you, I mean, it sounds like you really need to study <laughs> yourself. Yeah. And you should read, but I hope you're prepping more because, yeah. now I'm not saying that can't be a slip of the tongue, whatever. But, you know, 
the Holy Spirit's not it. It's He, the right. third person of, of the Trinity, and we just don't uh, do a wonderful job teaching all the time on that. I'm guilty of that as well. So, all right, two, um, act religious, but forget about the covenant. So here's a recap questions for you, Jason. Uh, what idea did Israel have after the first defeat? Get the ark. <laughs> Go to Shiloh and get the ark. Bring it out here to camp. All right. What was in the Ark of the Covenant and what did the ark represent? Um, I have that wrong on my notes. But manna, um, Aaron's rod, and um, the tablets, the two yeah. tablets of the Ten Commandments. Um, and I would say it primarily presented or represented God's presence with His people. You'll see it certainly this Sunday. I'm not sure how far we'll get if we'll move into chapter 5 Sunday um, or not. I'm not sure yet. Um, but the prevailing idea is the glory of God has left Israel. Mm. I mean, that's why they're all tore up. That's why Eli is so upset about everything. That's why he falls out of his chair and dies. Um, so, and same with uh, even Phineas, his son. his son, his wife, so his daughter-in-law, it's the same thought. The glory of Israel has left. Um, so, there's that. We'll talk more about that. Right. So why didn't um, Hopni and Phineas stop Israel from taking the Ark onto the battlefield? I probably said those names differently every week. Yeah. <laughs> um, isn't that crazy when I read that? Like, not just on Sunday, but when you read that in the text, like they go to get the Ark, and it specifically mentions these two sons are there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say they're passive, like their father. When I look at it, I mean so. They just they saw something that seemed wrong, and they didn't do anything about it. They're like, Dad wouldn't have done anything. So. Dad didn't do anything to us. Let's not. Hey, let's not judge anyone. Just, oh my gosh! You know, if I we'll get back to the Old Testament or New Testament eventually, or maybe I'll find a way to bring it up in the Old Testament. I'm just so so tired of all the Christians there. Like, you can't judge. Christians can't judge. I'm like, that's what we're. I mean, all right, never mind. Uh, what impact did the Ark have in the fight? Israel gave them some boldness, temporarily. Yep. Philistines good. made them afraid at the beginning. They thought, well, the gods have come into the camp. And what was the result of that battle? Uh, well, I said 34, but 30,000 dead. Eli's sons are dead. Mm-hmm. Ark is captured. Another one I didn't mention... Um, more than likely, I think there's strong evidence Shiloh was burned to the ground. Hmm. Uh, there's no proof in Scripture that um, the ark was brought back to Shiloh. And then in Jeremiah 7.12, it says, Now go to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. So Something happened there. Yeah, it wasn't. They didn't just kill... Well, obviously the sons died, so I'm assuming they brought the ark out, and then they Philistines went to Shiloh the rest of the way and killed, uh, burned Shiloh to the ground and killed the two sons. Um, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, here's another one. We're done with the recap, though. Okay. So, why do people blame God for the impact of their own sin? I think I should have had a longer answer to this, but simply, I would say it's easier to point your finger than to look in the mirror. Uh, we blame everyone for our issues. Um, we blame situations. We blame other people for the way that we behave, the way that we think, the way that we say things. Um, you know, whether our situation is poor or not, we tend to blame everyone else. So why not blame God? It would just be another part of that behavior. Um, I guess I would also say, maybe not as a primary thing, but forgiveness doesn't mean everything goes back to the way things used to be. Um, and I think we tend to blame God when he doesn't just fix everything after we repent. Um, there's sins, there's sins in my life. Let's just say this. I mean, I've, I've been pretty open about money at the church. Um, you know, Corey and I have, you know, when we were young and we got married, she was 19, I was 21. Um, and we weren't, we didn't give to the church when we got married. We, you know, we didn't track our money. We, I mean, is it a sinful? Yeah, I guess it would, I would say it was sinful. Um, on top of it being immature, it was sinful. But those decisions back then impact us now. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, of course God forgives you for, um, you know, your lack of obedience, but doesn't mean it's not going to impact you now. So I'm just saying, let's say you have money issues now. You're like, God just, you know, where is he in all this? Well, he's right there. You're just still dealing with the garbage that you... <laughs> caused right. for yourself um so that does happen um team tend to blame god when they just like well as for forgiveness why isn't everything back the way it used to be like well it might never be um you know you, you're right before god for eternity doesn't mean you didn't ruin a bunch of things on this side of eternity right. yeah. so there's that one um this is an interesting question I, I when I asked our small group this, but do we have religious relics today? We talked about acting religious and making that connection that the Ark of the Covenant was right. more than likely viewed as just a religious relic for them in this moment, at least. So, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, you mentioned some in your sermon. You said, like, the crosses that are, are worn around the neck, uh, the water in the baptistry. But I... I would say that Israel is full of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are a ton of religious locations that you can visit. Um, a lot of them are acknowledged solely based on tradition alone. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre is in Israel. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> according to, to traditions from the 4th century, this is Calvary or Golgotha. There's a hole in the floor where they say that the... Jesus's cross was placed, and you can go stick your hand in it, and people, I did it, <laughs> people do it. Um, and just a little bit further away from that, in the same same building, um, there's a stone of, uh, I, I'm going to mispronounce this, but it's the stone of Unction, U-N-C-T-I-O-N, hmm. 
and it's a large slab of stone. It's placed inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's between Golgotha, the hill of the crucifixion of Jesus, and the tomb of Jesus. By local tradition, on this rock, Jesus' body was laid and prepared for burial. And then when I was there, people would come and they would lay things on it. Like they would lay items on this rock and they would pray over them. And I saw many, many people come and kiss the stone. And um, and just a little further away from that is where the empty tomb is or where they, th- you know, this is one of the locations that they think it's at. It's a beautiful church. I love visiting there. And apparently they have this big, um, each night they have this big ceremony where the, the monks who run who run the church have this mm-hmm. big, um, uh, what's the word, ceremony where they, they lock it up. They lock the church up. And like they take these ladders up to get back into the church and they pull the ladders up behind them. Yeah. I didn't, we missed it. Um, but anyway, my point of all this is that we get hung up on a lot of traditions and checking boxes instead of pursuing an actual relationship with Christ. I mean, he's alive. We don't have to chase after old relics and we can know him and and serve him now. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) immediately I just thought of, the Sorcerer's Stone, no. the Philosopher's, <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, so I, now that now that you're talking about that, someone mentioned in small group, and I, I, I want to say this into the mic, and I hope all Carter County hears it. Uh, they they brought up, what about those three wooden crosses? And I said, oh boy. I said, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. Because... Um, just the amount of angry people I saw on Facebook that I know never go to church or like we're cussing about how we don't, you know, we don't want our crosses taken away. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't want the government to interfere. I'm all about that. Like, let's <laughs> keep the government out of that. However, it was rooted in like, well, these, this is, you know, this makes our town what it is. I'm like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> you know. So I hope that people hear that and get offended because that absolutely is mm-hmm. that. Like, so. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so yeah, keep the crosses up there. Cool history. Don't want the government interfering, mm-hmm. but just check your motivation of why you're so upset about it all. <laughs> um. <laughs> Be mad at the government. <laughs> um, my friend told me I should start a political podcast for our church. Oh, no. I said, "Wow, that would be great." Now, that, especially now that Trump uh, <laughs> saw that he yeah. hated twenty twenty four. His daughter Ivanka is like, "Nah, no thanks." <laughs> All right, no politics. Here we go. Um, this one's for you. Is it? Yep. No. Yep. This one's for you. I'm switching it up. What? I forgot to tell you. I think it's healthier that we hear from you about what the new covenant is first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll, I'll That's answer That's not how you have it written. I know. Okay. I forgot to tell you. I switched it up. So what is the new covenant and how should we be encouraged? Uh, the new covenant is that we receive the free gift of salvation by our faith in Christ Jesus uh, in believing that he fulfilled the law on our behalf once and for all through his own sacrificial death. Uh, ending the sacrifices required by the law in the Old Covenant, and that we can now know and be known by God through Christ Jesus and take part in the inheritance of Christ. That's good. 
That's good. See, that's what I think we needed to hear that before okay. we talked about that. So, so right. question for you, Jason. <laughs> Why do people <laughs> act religious but forget about the covenant? All right. You better buckle your seatbelt. Uh, let me walk lightly through this one because I didn't explain it a lot on Sunday. Okay. Um, I tried to keep that focused uh, for Sunday. But there is what some would call conditional and unconditional covenants. For instance, uh, as an example, God made an unconditional covenant with Noah that he would never flood the whole earth again. Right. So that's Genesis 9-11. I established my covenant with you that never again shall flesh be cut off from or by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Um, I would say that's an unconditional covenant. Didn't matter what Noah did. Doesn't matter what you and I do. God made that promise for all generations. Um, But the covenant in the ark of God, I think does seem conditional which is what I brought up on Sunday, Exodus 19, 5 through 6. Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possessions among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. Um, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, I think Israel forgot about that part. Uh, They, even just the Ten Commandments in the box, they were like, well, They had no regard for that. Um, They just assumed that God would always have their back if they had no regard for God. And Mm. the entire Old Testament is proof that that wasn't true. Okay? So so what does that mean for the New Covenant? Is the New Covenant conditional? This bug. This one's tougher. Um, It's tougher a word or more tough? Anyways. All right. Hebrews 9... Uh, 15, starting in verse 15, Therefore he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since death was has occurred that redeems them from the, from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For, there, for, where, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who, is, who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it alive. Um, therefore, not even the first covenant, covenant was inaugurated without blood. It goes on to talk about the blood of the new covenant, and then Jesus, Jesus' blood of the, of the old, or Moses's and the blood of the old covenant, and then Jesus and the blood of the new covenant. I would say the new, co- well, I wouldn't say this. I would say scripture proves this. The new covenant is not conditional because Christ has and will do what he promised. Okay, so regardless of what we do, what you and I do, regardless of the way history shakes out, regardless of what Russia does or Ukraine or America, regardless of all that, it's an unconditional promise. However, I would say our participation and this is where i'm careful with the language knowing that people might i don't think people care that much and listen to this and they're gonna disagree but our participation in that unconditional promise has the condition that we are in christ Mm -hmm. so if we are not in christ 
we're not saved. Um, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It goes on. Well, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled himself to give us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Um, and I'm not getting into all of the election stuff and, you know, are those elect? I mean, I certainly can. And you want my opinion? Come ask. But I, I think you can, regardless of where you're at, you can clearly say that the uh, covenant that Christ has given us is a new and better covenant, and it is unconditional. Mm-hmm. But you got to be in Christ to be a part of that unconditional covenant. Um, so why bring all that up? Why? I'd say people act religious because it's way easier than actually being in Christ. Mm-hmm. Acting religious requires no heart transformation. Um, being a part of the new covenant means that you're in Christ, and that means everything changes. So I think people settle for surface-level moral Christianity and then never find Christ, and then in the end never find salvation. So that's the long answer for that. Um, And if people want to talk more, I love covenant theology stuff, so if people want to talk about that, by all means, um, you'll find out where I stand real quick. So main point, in Christ, and I don't care, by the way, I don't care to say that on the podcast. We just, we can talk about election on a different <laughs> different day. <laughs> but main point, in Christ, we have victory over sin and death. That's the whole main point. Yep. I'm trying to bring this back home. All right, we're done. Other than this conclusion, I know, man, I'm, you got to start throwing out conclusion ideas. Cause, okay. All right, so we just, I voted last week. Yeah. Um, the local election. So I thought, and we got, obviously I mentioned the Trump thing. Do you think mm-hmm. DeSantis is going to run? I did not follow that. You don't follow at all? Not. I think he will. So, um, all right. Do Christians have a biblical mandate to vote? What do you think? No. <laughs> is that your answer? That's my answer. Okay. Here's my, my longer answer. answer. I did look it up. Okay. I'd, no, I don't think we have a mandate. I don't think anywhere in the Bible that tells us that we have to vote. Yeah. I will say, so my answer is first, as an American, yes. You do have a mandate. You shouldn't. Is it a law? No, that you have to you vote. You didn't say to Americans. I know. I'm getting there. Okay. I'd, sorry. And I would say, even as an, a, a Christian American, yes. I, I even think that. you. Would. I know. I know. There's. So going. I get it. I get it. But... Does the Bible mandate you do this? No, I I can't find any passage that says God's people must. Um, Where are vote. you finding it as an American? Because I wouldn't say there's no there's no mandate that we have to vote. It's a right we can vote. I guess, I'm but using we don't man- have to mandate loosely with that. Okay, um, I was just asking. I think you I think you can make a strong biblical argument that Christians should be involved in their community. And if that's true, uh, then it should be wise to vote for things that impact our community. Yeah. Even as simple as the, with the Romans 12 passage, um, if we're going to submit to the governing authorities. It would be wise yeah. if you got a say of who those authorities you are gonna, you're going to submit to. So 
Um, I, I, I just wanted to answer that first to say, like, I think Christians, for whatever reason, have almost, especially younger Christians, have downplayed it. It's like, no, go vote. Um, I'm not telling you who to vote for. Uh, but go vote. I'd say, for instance, I'm going to say at the end here, uh, we vote for commissioners. And those commissioners, oh. commissioners will vote next Friday on the raise of the sheriff's department. That's an important vote. Yeah. These poor guys are getting paid in like starting pay $13 an hour. And they're running around with guns. <laughs> guns. And we're asking people them to like arrest people. And we're like, yeah, you can have $13 an hour. So the raise is for five. I'm like, that's a... That to me is like, well, we're just getting started, you know. Yeah. And I know there's it's there's a million more things you got to pay for that, but if you think it's important, you better pay people for to live. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I bring that up as a local mm-hmm. obligation for believers. Like you live here, this impacts you, so go vote. Um, there it is. I agree. I think you should go vote, but I don't think. The question was, are we mandated? I don't, I know. Think, I don't think either I know. I just, from the Bible or from America. Sometimes I... American law, we're not mandated. Make these vote. questions to just argue with myself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Corey's, after all these years of marriage, Corey's tired of arguing with me. So. <laughs> all right. I think you prayed last week. Okay. All right. I'll pray, and then we will be back in December. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right? We're already there. Right? That's crazy. No. No. No, we'll be back November 30th. That's more right. Because that's a Wednesday. Yes. Okay. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your church, for your word, uh, to study your word, to be encouraged by your word, uh, uh, to look uh, about some deeper questions, to really consider not just how this would... um, how we would gain knowledge, but how we would think and change our lives. Uh, so God, give us grace as we study through First Samuel, and we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen.